someone was uh one of my friends today was asking like she's like, oh i heard you have a podcast and i was like yeah and so we were talking about it a little bit and she's like so is it like you guys write scripts for it and i'm like no we just talk and she's like what how do you do that i'm like we're just smart we know a lot of stuff and then one of my other friends i didn't realize he listens but he was just like it's true they know everything (laughs) (laughs) and what we don't know we pretend we know yep (laughs) and act like we just like you're just like oh yeah this is i just know that off the top of my head of course totally remember this oh my god it was just so funny He's like, they do. They just know it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's right. Gotta leave that in. Do we just know it? <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. We are going in three, two, one. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, oh did you want to? Sorry. I'll let you. I'll let you. Next time. I'm in love with you. Snap out of it. I'll have what she's having. Too many guys think I'm a concept, or I complete them, or I'm gonna make them alive. But I'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for my own peace of mind. Don't assign me yours. Caustic wit is my religion. I would make a great queen because I am so stubborn. I say when it comes to stardom and Lauren, there are no accidents. Hi, Karen Peterson. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Citizen Dame, the podcast where we just know everything. Like, we just know it, and like, we don't even have to look it up. We never look it up, in fact. It's just like we have all of film history and criticism just off of the top of our heads. Who needs uh, research when it's all in your brain? Exactly. Like, I, I yeah, we just have this encyclopedic knowledge. Um, <laughs> I am, <laughs> I'm Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Uh, with me, as always, is Karen Peterson. Hello, Karen. Hi. I love how you had to like think about your name for a second because you're See, too busy knowing so many other things. I'm so my brain is so full of film history and film theory that like I cannot remember my own name. <laughs> I have actually like incorrectly signed my name to emails. And I am an editor, by the way. I'm a freelance editor. So I will write to clients and every once in a while I'll like sign the wrong name or something like <laughs> That was stupid, wasn't it? Like, good on you, Laura. Just like, hello, I would like to work with you. I am a very important and professional freelance editor. Love, Laura. Like, (laughs) anyways, I am Laura Brooks, and you're Karen Peterson. How are you? (laughs) How are you doing, Karen? I'm good. I'm all right. Yeah, I had to think about that for a second, but yeah, no, I'm good. It's been a interesting week. Um, yeah, yeah, always lots of fun stuff. We here in California, well, specifically in Southern California, um, they the new guideline is that if the ICU beds in a county drop below fifteen percent availability, that you go into an automatic twenty one day stay at home order and that happened last night so we're going into a stay-at-home order tomorrow for 21 days good times yeah which means that we'll be out of it on what is that december 27th so cool i mean it really we should all be in in stay-at-home orders everybody just buckle down like come on let's get through the next couple of months we have a vaccine we'll start getting vaccinated you know 
exactly that's the thing i mean i've basically been living this way for months occasionally over the summer i was going out to dinner with friends and we would eat out you know at outside um but it was always friends that are also living alone and stuff so it's like i've just been pretty isolated and i've been fine i know it's hard for other people that you know for lots of different reasons and i get that but it's also like listen just just buckle down just do it just let's get through this like you said the vaccine is coming we can just ride this out for a couple more months yeah this sucks but we'll get through it yeah we'll exactly end. i mean i i have to say other than tra traveling upstate has pretty much been, been what i did uh but then even just being here it's just basically like you know we go out to pick up groceries or to pick up like drugs from the pharmacy or something like that and that's pretty much it that's all that we do mm -hmm. <laughs> outside you know yeah get takeout every once in a while um but yeah everybody just just and wear your mask everyone wear your fucking mask like dear god i don't yeah i don't understand why that's so hard to get people to do you know <laughs> one day a couple weeks ago i posted <laughs> apparently the controversial statement on facebook that all pandemics that have ever happened have ended <laughs> people got really mad at me for saying that because they're like well but this is just different like why we have more connection than ever now we can stay home much more easily yeah exactly i mean i uh, it's you know it's not saying that it isn't difficult and it isn't depressing at times and and everything but also yet yeah, if you can stay home, stay home. And, the, and that way, the people who cannot stay home because they have essential jobs, et cetera, will be safer and we'll all be safer. Like, for fuck's exactly. sake, guys. Exactly. Anyways. But, yeah. <laughs> but one of the reasons all pandemics have ended is because generally, at some point, people start wearing their masks. <laughs> Wear your fucking masks. Go get a cool plague mask. Be like, you know, whatever. Anyway. Plague doctors. <laughs> yeah, the plague doctor masks. <laughs> uh, well and you know what we're going to continue to stay home and we should all prepare to stay home uh before we talk about our main topic for the day which is uh christmas movies and what is a christmas movie and what definitely is not a christmas movie are we talking um, about christmas movies or not christmas movies Chris christmas movies that are not actually christmas movies <laughs> uh and we have some very controversial opinions on yes. this topic that will make you very angry i'm certain someone who's listening will be upset by this <laughs> oh yeah um, i can guarantee it and i can't wait <laughs> but before we do that uh let's let's talk briefly about i think probably the biggest movie news that has happened this week and possibly even for the past couple of months um, which is the ensuing death of movie theaters, which are obviously dead and never coming back and will never <laughs> return ever. That's it. Everything's shut. Like, just to let you know, all of your local theaters have just been shut down. Um, of course, that is not true. The, uh, but what has sort of created this apocalyptic scenario in, in the minds of many people is that Warner Brothers has announced that they are going to move their entire 2021 slate to being released on HBO Max and in theaters, which means that we're going to get a, a window where you'll be able to stream the films and you will also be able to go to the movie theater for them. This provoked, I, I mean, anyone who 
dwells in film Twitter for any length of time. This was apocalyptic. I mean, this was like <laughs> Horror of Babylon, riding on the beast, coming down. It was Revelation style. Um, you know, and of course, everybody began announcing, well, this is the death of the movie theater. You know, I'm so sorry about movie theaters dying, you know, <laughs> and, and all of this stuff. Of course, at the same time, for anyone who's really been tracking this and paying attention to the way that movies have been released in, in the past year, you kind of figure that something like this was coming. I think that the biggest surprise is that they decided they've announced this for their entire 2021 slate. Yeah. Um, which is what's so sort of surprising about it. So I know what my reaction to all of this is, but Karen, I want to start with you and let you get some words in edgewise on this. <laughs> uh, so what are your feelings about this? Is this the end of the world as we know it? No, it's not. And it's fine. And it's funny because I got a couple of, of private messages from people who were very concerned, wanted I think that they wanted me to also be concerned either that or hopefully they wanted me to calm them down, which is what I was trying to do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, we definitely have been waiting for something like this to happen it, to, to anybody who is actually tuned in to the business side of the movie industry. I don't think this is really that big of a surprise. Um, the other way that I saw this going not with Warner, but was with a studio, now that the Paramount decision is no more, a studio buying one of the movie theater chains, like Disney buying AMC or something, um, which also could still happen, who knows? But yeah, yeah I think that, I think that what this signifies is, uh, at least what I hope that this is going to do is really start to uh, change I mean it's obviously going to change the way we watch movies um, but what I'm hoping is that these big huge mega gigantic budgeted films will start to get reined in I mean you can make a great movie without a 250 million dollar budget part of the Part of the problem with movie the movies is that for the last few years they've made it so that a movie can't be successful unless it makes 500 million dollars and i think that has really contributed to the decline of cinema because then you have to charge these outrageous ticket prices and things like that and i think that what we learned with movie pass was that there's still a lot of desire to go to the movies it's just that people don't want to pay so much and as long as the studios are still primary like these big studios universal disney warner are still the ones that are providing the majority of the offerings that are at the local cineplex you're gonna have to charge 20 25 for a movie ticket just to make it affordable for the theaters and the studios so with this happening i think that um, there's going to be probably some pullback of budgets on movies again. And I think that this gives more of an opportunity for smaller studios and distributors now to be able to get back into theater. So I think this, what we're going to see over the next few years is a bigger rise of independent film again, which this is something I was explaining to someone the other day, like the industry 
works in cycles. Every industry works in cycles. And, you know, at the beginning of film, as we explored on this podcast, at the beginning, it was all independent. (laughs) And then the studios started to come in and change things. And then in the 60s and 70s, you saw an emergence of independent filmmakers who then were really successful and got kind of snatched up by the studios. And then it you know, there was sort of a resurgence of the studio system and this all goes back and forth. So I think over the next few years, really what we're going to see is more of a focus on independent movies again. Yeah, I I think, I mean, I I strongly agree with you. And I I think that, um, you know, the movie theaters have been in trouble for a long time. And in fact, we've talked about, um, like over the course of the past few years, we've talked about fairly consistently issues that movie theaters are running into. So you, you, because there's there's this split between theaters, right? You've got the big theaters, theaters like AMC, Regal, um, uh, all of the various more regional ones. Uh, so you've got it on the Northeast and on, on the uh, West Coast, et cetera. And, and then you've got some of the smaller theaters, the art house cinemas, um, the ones that show revival, films and and things like that so what we're actually talking about when we're particularly when we're talking about warner brother film warner brothers films we're talking a lot about the big theaters right the amc regal etc and i i mean first of all i have real difficulty i know that real human beings depend upon these places in order to pay their bills so i get that the companies themselves i have a real hard time pouring one out for amc and regal <laughs> Uh, and, and so I, I don't know, it's, it, it seems to me like the, the way that people have talked that this is like, like I say, this is apocalyptic or something, that this is the end of movie theaters. It's like, I, I don't think that it is. And I think that it's ridiculous to imagine that it is because I think that you, as you're saying, this, this is all cyclical. You have to not have any knowledge of the history of film exhibition. Um, and the history of the way that, that the studios have operated in the United States, at least, um, in order to assume that because one studio decides that it's going to release um, films on streaming, that therefore spells the complete destruction of an entire industry. Yeah. I think that that's crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at how many... It's, it's been really fascinating here. And I, I'm sure that this is not the experience that a lot of places are having, especially in much smaller markets. But it's been really interesting to see what's been happening here in California, because there are a lot of nonprofit independently owned um, movie theaters. They're not chains. There are a few that are like, we have one or two locations or you know what I mean? Um, like, so technically they're small regional chains, but, um, but yeah, the way that so many of them have adapted to, to the current circumstances, like AMC and Regal and Cinemark, they just shut down. They, they just close their doors. That's it. But the Frida cinema, which is really close to my house, they've been doing outdoor uh, and drive-in screenings for months, you know, and they, they just started, they just started doing that. And a bunch of other theaters are now I know also there are a lot of places in the country where going into the winter, that's not an option. Even here, it's, it gets kind of uncomfortable. The drive-in isn't bad, but, um, 
it can get very uncomfortable being, being outside in the winter, but just watching the innovation and watching the kind of the more out of the box thinking that these small places um, can take the time to do, partly because they do have to figure out a way to survive, but also because at their core, they really are passionate about film. They're passionate about audiences and they have an interest in still making sure that they can provide their their experiences to their audiences to their customers whereas the big chains the big chains they just care about money like they don't really care about people being able to see you know whatever it is and so yeah when you look at, at where the focus is coming from and who's behind the decisions i mean if amc and regal disappeared tomorrow i wouldn't cry as long as the smaller places are there, I'd much rather go to a Lemley's or whatever, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think about a lot of the movie theaters that, and again, you know, I've got, I had before the pandemic, I had the AMC, whatever their pass. Yeah, the A-list. Um, yeah, the A-list pass. And so I went, I actually did go to a lot of movies at AMC theaters because of that, right? <laughs> but when you really think about it, when I'm like, okay, we'll say that AMC and Regal and all of these other big cinemas just closed right these companies just folded how upset would I be and I was like well I, I mean it would be kind of disappointing but okay um yeah. if you talk to me something about about like the Angelica in New York um film forum uh the quad etc then I'm like oh that's really sad that's really disappointing and the, and those are art house cinemas, right? These these are cinemas that either show uh, revivals of classics or that show first run films, but they're like you know the the French nomin the French Academy Award nominee things like that. Um, and so these are much smaller films, and they're films that aren't exhibited as much, et cetera. And so that is that's what to me would be very sad um, would be to lose those theaters. So I'm yeah. far more concerned about them than I am about the bigger ones. And so when it comes to something like Warner Brothers deciding like, okay, we're gonna release these films on streaming. It's like, all right, so that means, you know, that Wonder Woman uh, 84 is not going to be on 15 screens in the same fucking theater. Uh, and, and that was one of my issues. I, I think that the way that a number of uh, critics were beginning to talk about this was just like, well, we're never gonna get to see movies again. We're never gonna get to have that cinematic experience. And they're like, and it's not just about the big, the big 10 films, it's about the smaller ones. And I'm like, where the fuck were you going to the movies? Mm -hmm. Because when Avengers Endgame came out, um, I remember going to, to see Avengers Endgame and almost every single screen was Avengers Endgame. Yeah. or a Disney movie or something like and there might have been a small one that had like a screening at 10 o'clock at night or something like that but I'm like that's this is not an option right it's not like I've got 15 different movies that I can see in this in this one movie theater I've got one and maybe another one and maybe a third mm -hmm. right? yeah and and that was one of the things that I think is is very disingenuous about this attitude that's like oh this is the end of movie theaters it's like what kind of movie theaters are we actually talking about here yeah well there are two two things too that I want to say um one is that uh I think people are kind of missing the fact that uh, when theaters reopen 
Warner Brothers is still going to put their movies in them. They're just also going to be available at home. Yeah. <laughs> it's not only HBO Max. It's the it's a day and date release. So you can go to the theater or you can sit at home and watch it. Either way is okay. Um, yeah. The other thing that, I mean, people are, of course, as they're uh, writing obituaries for the theatrical experience i will say that it's gonna be very sad for me (laughs) to watch wonder woman 1984 a movie i have been very excited about for two and a half years or whenever it was i first saw i guess three years um uh i've been very excited about that movie and it's gonna be really sad to sit here in my apartment all by myself and watch that for the first time and some yeah. of my favorite experiences with big studio blockbuster movies have been in big crowded theaters on opening night and enjoying that with an audience. So all these things that I'm saying, it's not that I don't care. It's not that I'm not part of this like, oh, that's kind of a bummer because I feel it too. I'm just looking at the bigger picture here and realizing that there's a lot of other things that we can focus on and there's still good things to look at in this situation. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think one of the one of the smaller points or one of the points that maybe doesn't get discussed a lot, um, and that I know that our our mutual friend and former colleague Kristen um uh has has talked about herself, but it's something that doesn't get like touched on a great deal is the issue of accessibility. And yeah. it's both economic accessibility, location, right? Accessibility and um and accessibility for the disabled. And Theaters are not terribly accessible in a lot of different ways. Uh, so, for instance, you know, you take—I have talked about this before. You take about you take the place that my parents live versus where I live. I, where I live in New York, I can go see pretty much anything in mm-hmm. theaters when it gets released in theaters. Um, I can see big run, big tentpole films. I can see classics in uh, you know thirty-five millimeter. I can see the most I can see Parasite and I can see Wonder Woman and I can see like pretty much anything that I want to. My parents do not have that luxury for two reasons. One, they live in a rural area, which does have a movie theater, but it primarily shows first run films. So they're gonna get to see Wonder Woman, but not Parasite. Uh, and, And two, both of my parents are disabled. And they, going to the theater is much more of a chore than getting to watch a film at home. So right now, like my parents, my parents and myself really have gotten to see a lot more movies this year, partially because there hasn't been that same impetus to go to the movie theater because movie theaters have been closed most of the time. Yeah. Um, releasing first run films on streaming is essentially saying like, you, you know, I can recommend a movie to my parents and they can actually watch it. Mm-hmm. They don't have to, you know, wait for it possibly maybe to come out on streaming within three months. They can watch it right now. And I can actually say that to them. And that's important too. It, it means more people will get to see more movies yeah. um, in different ways. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that that's going to be another like unexpected benefit of it. And 
I know that there are people who it might not even be something that they consciously are aware of, but I think some of them, they are consciously aware of it. It will eliminate that um, exclusivity that a lot of people like to enjoy Uh that they've gotten to see something that no one else has. And I am one that because I love movies and because I want other people to love movies, I don't care. I actually kind of, I was thinking about this the other day. Like when I see something two months before it comes out, I'm actually bummed. Not, not that I got to see it early, but because I have no one to talk to about it. And I don't get to enjoy that experience of, of, you know, discovering things right along with other people not that i'm gonna give up my job (laughs) because my job is really fun but i am not one that like needs that exclusive the exclusive feeling of getting to experience something that other people don't get to so yeah yeah i i think that there are a number of critics and there are a number of uh just film goers generally who who do want that there's a certain type of power i think that it gives yeah um, and they really do want that. And they're seeing themselves losing that. And, and they've lost it this year too. Uh, but I do have to say, there've been a lot of really good movies this year. Oh my um, gosh, so many. You know, I, this, yeah. We, we've, ta- we've talked about the, the, this, this like, oh no, no movies are coming out or something. It's just like, <laughs> that's not at all accurate actually. I've seen quite a few. Uh, and and they've all been really good. And they are movies, by the way. The Small Axe series is a fucking, they're fucking movies. <laughs> AV Club. I know, they're like, oh, they're television. It's just like, yes, isn't that wonderful that we have just decided words have no meaning? Great. I do have a small clarification <laughs> on that, but we'll come back to it in a minute. <laughs> um, are, are, if you say that they are not movies, I'm leaving right now. I swear no, to God, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is this is not. I actually haven't watched them yet. Um, and what I was gonna say, as far as good movies, is like I've seen over eighty of this year's releases, mm-hmm. and you have to go down. Like I keep track of everything, and you have to go down to the fifties on my list to get to where I don't like. I'm seeing stuff that I didn't like. I have liked so many of the things that i've seen this year which is really Mm -hmm. unusual and it's been an exciting year for movies and i think a big part of that is the fact that um we haven't had as many studio films there have been a lot fewer Mm -hmm. and so we're getting to discover all these other movies that normally audiences wouldn't find and stuff that would be kind of um uh what's the word just just kind of not under the radar but something like that there's a specific word i'm trying to think of but um but movies that i would maybe see because the publicist wanted me to interview someone for it or like someone would insist i need to watch it before my my um critics group votes for awards or something like that um but because that's been the main bulk of what we've had to choose from i've gotten to see stuff that I would have otherwise missed that has just been such a gift like i've i've seen so many things directed by women um so many things directed by people of color and it's been really exciting to see so like to look at my list of 80 films and realize how few of them are directed by white men this year and how much richer my experience has been yeah, it's it's so true. There really are some great films that most of which are available to watch right now. Yeah. Uh, 
and there are more that are coming that, that's the thing like um there, there's actually a lot of like you know we, we were discussing before we started recording mank which mm -hmm. just came out on netflix and you can go and sit down and watch it right now you can even watch it in parts which is probably the way that i am going to watch it because it's over two hours and i don't <laughs> want to sit around for two hours 15 minutes i don't care if you're david fincher um, <laughs> but but yeah but there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that is is coming out and and that's the thing our viewing habits have changed and they changed long before the pandemic started like this the pandemic has sort of hastened certain things and reshaped certain things but the way that we watch movies the way that we consume media generally it has changed and it's going to keep it's going to keep on changing and that does not mean it is the end of the world and that sure as fuck mean does not mean that it's the end of films or the end of movie theaters right yeah i mean we've been talking about the death of theaters since netflix started really um becoming a player in big oscar contention for stuff and people have been saying like oh if netflix can get in there then there's going to be less incentive for people to release stuff in the theaters and blah 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 so i mean we've been talking about this for a couple of years and i mean the drive-ins were supposed to all be gone they've had a resurgence so you just you yeah i don't yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think we've still got a long ways to go before we stop going to the movies completely and again, things work in cycles. And this Warner Brothers deal is for 2021. They haven't said anything about what they plan to do beyond that. And who knows? They might not even, like, they might decide to renegotiate some of that later. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, um, exactly. And I yeah. do have to say, it is not safe to go to movie theaters right now for no. most people. So I don't know, I, I, this is again, I'm like, I don't know why you're all complaining so hard. I mean, you probably won't be able to, would not want to see at least some of these films in the movie theater because it would be dangerous. Yep. Like, <laughs> let's, so let's not bitch about, you know, oh, I can't go see Wonder Woman. It's just like, no, you shouldn't go see Wonder Woman. Please don't go see Wonder Woman. That is, don't do it. Like, yeah. My only thing about Wonder Woman is that I wish that they had kept the original release date which was last year the week before rise of skywalker and the reason they chose to uh -huh. move the date was so as not to compete with the rise of skywalker and yep. man they would have blown it out of the water yes they should have just done it <laughs> should have just done it well it's like i i think one of the last really like big the last the last film i saw in a movie theater before the pandemic started was the lady vanishes at film forum uh the last two films that i saw like the big the big releases were the invisible man and birds of prey and i am glad that i got to see birds of prey five times in a movie theater before this all happened <laughs> yep. so, yeah so the was, last yeah, yeah. <laughs> the last thing i do want to say as far as all this goes is that what frustrates me is the fact that this is all happening and there's still no fucking deal with hbo max and roku and so it's like great you're gonna do these dual release thing cool but what about the 80 million of us or 50 million or whatever that have roku i think it was 80 million combined with amazon so i think it's like 50 million people have roku and supposedly like once one reporter did a story that was saying that um the they believe that 
part of this is to put pressure on Roku because I guess maybe they're the ones that are holding up the deal. Um, and that might be true. I don't know. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter to me who's responsible. Just fix this. <laughs> I want to yeah. watch my movies, damn it. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do feel that. And I, I feel the same way because I, I have Roku and, and I'm just like, okay, you, but if you don't get a deal on this, you're losing out on so many viewers and yeah. so many subscriptions because I admit I will probably get a subscription. I'm going to get an HBO Max subscription just so that I can put Dune on my queue and never actually watch it. So <laughs> just like, it's just going to be on there. And I look forward to the conversations when we discuss, is Dune a TV show? Which it is. Uh, I've decided this. This goes completely against most of my other thoughts, but I'm just going to keep on calling it a TV show. Well, it's okay for TV. I mean, you know, it's like, yeah, it's good. It's good for TV, for a TV movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I did want to say as far as small acts goes. Um, so Steve McQueen says that they're movies, mm-hmm. but it's not on Amazon's um, FYC site. And they apparently are not submitting any of them to the Academy as movies because okay. there is yeah, an Emmy rule that for some reason documentaries are excluded from this but if they submit for academy consideration they will not be eligible for emmys so i mean i would go for academy consideration rather than emmy consideration yeah given i, I, the I don't know why, some of those yeah. films but all right anyways there's still not television i hate to tell you I mean, like I said, I haven't watched them, so I can't make a, a a judgment based on that. But from everything I'm reading about them, I don't know why they wouldn't be films. They, yeah, they're they're standalone films. I don't know yeah. how you can possibly like categorize them as television. It's it's yeah. stupid. Um, which is different from Twin Peaks: The Return, which is fucking <laughs> TV because it's episodes. Yeah, if it's episodic, <sighs> that is television. Yeah. Anyways, we're right. <laughs> yeah so so let's let's move on and talk about we talked about that for a while wow uh, <laughs> we had a lot to say about it we do have a lot to say about the the uh, apocalyptic destruction of movie theaters which did, they just all exploded all at once when this announcement was done um but let's move on and talk about our actual uh like central topic for this episode which is um I, what is a christmas movie are these christmas movies does a christmas movie just have to take place at christmas or be christmas adjacent in order to be a christmas movie so uh let's start out with that that question what is a christmas movie karen in your opinion so i would identify a christmas movie as a movie that takes place at christmas time and See, I, I think that there's an and there. I don't think that's the only qualifier. Um, and I think it has to have something fundamental to do with the spirit or the specific festivities related to Christmas. But most importantly, I think like the spirit of Christmas. See, this is going to be a really boring episode because we're just going to agree completely. <laughs> because we're both right. Because <laughs> we're right, as usual. <laughs> um, yes, I, I, I absolutely agree with you. And I, I think that it's that second part that throws people off a little bit. Um, it's that spirit of Christmas. And, uh, and that, you know, and I, I guess that we have that, 
what the spirit of Christmas actually is, is a, is a question maybe, um, but there is something sort of, there's something happy and joyful and warm, but it's also a little melancholic. And, um, and I think that some of the best Christmas movies that we can call Christmas movies definitely kind of have that, but yeah. let's, let's go through a few movies where there is an open question about whether or not these are Christmas movies. And I think we should start with the first movie that is on this list and it's the one that sparks heated debates <laughs> every single goddamn year and no one can agree die hard is it a christmas movie well according to john mcclain himself bruce willis die hard is not a christmas movie <laughs> It's a goddamn Bruce Willis movie. First of all, it came out like in July. I mean, that go. right there, I think. Sure, you could release a Christmas movie in July. That's fine. But uh, I don't, I think it's just one that they just happened to set at Christmas time for some reason during an office Christmas party. But uh, a movie about terrorists taking over a company and holding people hostage and trying to steal a bunch of stuff out of a safe it's it's not a christmas movie no yeah no i i agree with you and uh yeah chris christmas in in that movie is more of a it's a plot device so it gets john mcclain there right yeah it gets it means that only a certain group of people are in the building at the time Right. Uh, you know, it kind of it provides a useful sort of setup for the action of the film. It could have um, just as easily taken place over Independence Day. You know, like that would also been an excuse to have few people in the building. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's lots of excuses for why they would be having a company party. You know, lots of companies do summer retreats and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I, I actually think that the major that the major thing with it being Christmas or being a major holiday is the fact that John McClane is there. So you have to have a way to get him there to begin True. with. Um, yes, and and so you know why is this New York cop suddenly in L.A. Yeah. Uh, and that that's the most important part. But yeah, it's it's not a Christmas movie. Um, yes, I know there's a dead guy in a Santa hat that says ho ho ho. That's not does not mean it's a Christmas. I mean, movie. I will say that. I'm glad that it's set at Christmas time so that we do get that great Alan Rickman line where he's reading the sweatshirt because I love the way he's like, oh, oh, oh. It's just so like awesome. I don't know if you've ever read, um, if you've ever read any of Terry Pratchett's Discworld books. A couple. Um, have you read Hogfather? Yes. Okay, so Death. <laughs> saying ho 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 that's the way that Al i always imagine alan rickman as the voice of death yeah uh, yeah ho 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 <laughs> <laughs> exactly anyways see an intersection of fandoms here all right so <laughs> the next one i think is a little bit more contentious in some ways gremlins is yeah. gremlins a christmas movie it does take place at christmas a lot of what happens like revolves around christmas as a holiday at the same time, it, it's more of a horror film and it's more, it's kind of a very dark Christmas movie if that's how we're going to label it. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Do you think it's a Christmas movie? I am torn because I do not think that it adequately captures the spirit of Christmas. However, it does sort of create this, this um, 
kind of subversion of Christmas because, but like the uh, mugwai is a Christmas present, mm -hmm. right? And um, a lot of the events of the stories revolve around, like Christmas is important for the events of the story. So I would say maybe yes. Yeah, I lean yes on this one also. Man, we really are going to be boring and agree on everything, aren't we? Um, yeah, I lean yes on this one because of the fact that um, I think that Christmas specifically is important to the story. Yeah, Gizmo is a gift. Could, could have just as easily been a birthday gift. But he's specifically a Christmas gift from a father who has gone a lot and who uh doesn't spend much time at home which i guess is what gone a lot means but um but he by bringing that gift he he helps bring uh something to his son even though his son's pretty grown up um kind of i don't know i don't know how to explain it but just like i don't know it gizmo kind of brings people together which is what christmas is about um and I think that you see elements of that togetherness throughout the movie, like Billy and his girlfriend or whatever. Um, she is the great Phoebe Cates. Um, yeah. And I think that Christmas really does matter to the story. I think it's very intentional that it's set at Christmas time instead of like Halloween or the middle of summer or something like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that some of it is about like a certain subversive aspect to the film yeah. that, you know, oh, all of this horrible shit is going down at Christmas. Uh -huh. um, at the at the same time, uh, we have, and I think we're going to talk about this on another episode, the, the question of the Christmas horror story yeah. um, is actually very important. And it's one that um, is, is uh, actually associated with Christmas uh, for, and has been for a very long time, the scary story told on Christmas um and i, I think mean, the charles Gremlins... dickens did that yeah exactly <laughs> exactly uh and so i think that the the gremlins does definitely qualify in that way as well uh okay this this one karen you definitely put this one on the list because i sure as <laughs> fuck didn't uh <laughs> eyes wide shut no it is not a christmas movie what is wrong with you it's completely set at christmas time um how oh, is does this evoke the spirit of christmas it Karen? definitely does not <laughs> <laughs> unless you are referring to the spirit of joy and because that's how i feel when i look at tom cruise's face um no uh no this isn't a christmas movie but i put it on the list because um chris evangelista from slash film wrote an article <laughs> that about how like it's his favorite christmas movie and i was reading it like i forgot it even takes place at christmas <laughs> so yeah no wow <laughs> that's all i have to say wow all the right lights are pretty though yeah there's something wrong with anyone who calls this a christmas movie i'm sorry it also uh... came out in july so yeah <laughs> all right the next one the next one i have strong feelings about bridget jones's diary yes it is a christmas movie absolutely explain 
it it takes place a lot at Christmas. Most of it takes place at Christmas. It starts and ends at Christmas. Yeah, it kind of goes year round. There's that whole issue of the Christmas jumper, and 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 I admit this, and I think that some of this is just a, association. I always associate Pride and Prejudice because of the, like snow, and it came out during Christmas, and you watch it during Christmas. Um, and so Bridget Jones's Diary is necessarily like its own little kind of offshoot of Pride and Prejudice. Also, I always watch this with my friends around Christmas time, so it's definitely a Christmas movie. <laughs> Now, I love Bridget Jones's Diary, and I practically have the movie memorized. I feel like it's really not a Christmas movie, but I also love watching it at Christmas time. But the reason I feel like it's really not a Christmas movie is because so much of it does not take place at Christmas. Like I said, it starts and ends there, but But a lot of it, it, it goes through an entire year of her life. Yeah, but Christmas is what brings them together, ultimately. I think that that's important. The final, the sort of conclude, the beginning and end, and the conclusion of the film, at least, or the, the moment where they come together as a couple, is associated with and revolves around Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I do like Mark Darcy's Christmas Jumper. <laughs> a lot and there's that scene where she's standing outside and he wraps his coat around her and it's snowing oh, it's gosh. definitely a christmas and movie. she's like nice boys don't kiss like that oh yes they fucking do <laughs> no idea that movie got me through college that's all it's I just a say. great movie that's all <laughs> that's all i know <laughs> okay all right batman returns no no who said that it was a christmas movie everybody says it's a christmas movie how why i don't even it takes place at christmas time and it's like they're getting ready for christmas or something i think i think the big main like showdown at the end i think is on christmas eve um there's like a scene in the mall and there's like tons of people there like christmas shopping and stuff so yeah i mean i guess (laughs) <laughs> I, don't, I was gonna say if we're gonna call gremlins a christmas movie i guess we should call this a christmas movie but i don't think that it depends upon the holiday enough to justify right. that i agree i feel like much like die hard um th- well it, actually i would say even a little bit less than die hard because i don't feel like like christmas is a plot device to get anything to happen specifically i feel like christmas is just the setting hmm Yes. for batman returns yeah i agree i agree so yeah not a christmas movie uh black christmas yes because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy about the violent destruction of patriarchy <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> so there um, what do you think i don't know um see that's yeah that's another one i feel like and i think we can talk about this more specifically on our christmas horrors thing Mm -hmm. but but yeah this is another one that i feel like it kind of could go either way because really the events of and this is any version of it um i feel like the events could happen at other times of the year they're not strictly dependent on christmas but i think that it makes good use of the time of year to move some specific plot points forward yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I admit I have not seen the next one, The Long Kiss Goodnight. Oh, man. So what are it's your feelings about it? one of those, like, 
cheesy 90s action movies. <laughs> um, I feel much like Die Hard and I guess Batman Returns that it's it's setting and it might even be a little bit plot device more closely related like Die Hard is, but yeah, I think it's just one of those that takes place at Christmas but isn't really a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, while you were sleeping, that's an interesting one because I feel like it's very Christmassy, but I don't, I, I don't know. So here's my argument for why I think it is a Christmas movie. Okay. So um, we don't know where Peter's going when he falls off the train pl- or gets pushed off the train platform and ends up in the coma, but I don't believe that his family I I don't know that the whole like she's his fiance thing would have really come up the same way and I don't think that they would have had such a like need to include her in what they were doing if it wasn't Christmas time like they specifically wanted to make sure she had somewhere to go for Christmas they specifically wanted to make sure that she had family to be around because it was Christmas I, yeah, I can see that. It's funny. I don't necessarily associate it with Christmas, but it, 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 again, it, it evokes that sense of family, uh-huh. that sense of found family, you know, she kind of winds up in the midst of all of these people and, and sort of goes along with it. Uh, and, and also Bill Pullman is cute. So he's so cute. And <laughs> so I love when, movie. when uh, Elsie's like, you're under the mistletoe, kiss her, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's that I that would definitely reinforce the the Christmas movie when when you have a romantic comedy that involves like a kiss under the mistletoe it's mm-hmm. gotta be a Christmas movie. and the cute scene where they're like slipping on the ice and he rips his pants and asks if she has some he can borrow and she's like if you fit into my pants I will kill myself <laughs> then there's Joe Jr and yeah I love that movie so much. It is a sweet movie. <laughs> um, Three Days of the Condor. No, I don't think that that's a Christmas movie. I don't either. I actually, that's another one that I forgot took place at Christmas time. Uh, the Apartment. That's kind of a tough one, I think. I, I don't associate it with a Christmas, with like as a Christmas movie, although a good bit of it does take place on Christmas. Yeah, it's like the week between Christmas and New Year's. Yeah. But I feel like you could make the argument that it is because of the fact that I, I really feel like part of the reason Shirley MacLaine's um, feeling so particularly depressed is the fact that she can't be with the man she thinks she loves um, and can't spend the holidays with him because he's with his family. And yeah. I think that that's something that loneliness and isolation is something that a lot of people feel around the holidays in particular. So that's mm-hmm. where I'm like, mm, I could see that. Yeah. Okay. I'll take that. Okay. Uh, tr- trading places. Trading places is again, I love it. Um, but <laughs> I, I'm trying to like, part of it does take place around Christmas. I think the whole um, thing takes place at Christmas, does it? doesn't it? I don't I honestly don't remember I just remember the really gross scene where like Dan Aykroyd is dressed in a Santa outfit and he eats a fish (laughs) through his Santa beard and it's just like oh this is gross (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it does take place around Christmas and um 
I mean, you know, there's no more fun than just destroying rich people over Christmas. So that's nice. Yeah. I mean, why not? I feel like, I mean, I'm trying to think. I feel like some of, I think this is one of those again where, sure, some of this could have happened at any time, but it feels like they make good use specifically of, of Christmas and the commercialism of Christmas. Uh huh. Um, to tell the story so i feel like it it counts okay iron man three <laughs> i don't even know what to do with that because i had forgotten that it that it has anything to do with christmas so yeah iron man three is it a christmas movie karen is it uh no it's <laughs> it takes place at christmas but no <laughs> it's also the best iron man don't at me actually at me uh, so i can tell you you're wrong uh yeah i i mean i would yeah i'd probably go with that actually it's <laughs> I, I love it because of the fact that it's where you really see tony dealing with his ptsd and i think that that was something that was not commonly seen in superhero movies until then and mm -hmm. the stuff that that he had experienced it would it's really abnormal for people not to have ptsd so i appreciated that he was experiencing mm -hmm. that and it was over christmas and he was alone uh and so the next one I, I again is a little controversial because a lot of it does not take place during christmas although some of the major parts of it does meet me in st louis the film with uh um and I'm blanking on her name. Judy Garland, Judy Garland. directed by Vincent Minnelli. <laughs> I consider that a Christmas movie. Um, I guess it doesn't have to be, but I don't know. To me, it just, it feels like one. And Well, it's famous. I mean, I think that one of the most famous songs and certainly the most famous sequences it has to do with Christmas. Yeah. Um, and about missing Christmas during, but it actually deals with like, every holiday like it mm -hmm. hits it hits all of the beats for every holiday that's true i don't know i'm sort of torn about it to be honest although it does ha it does have a lot of the um a lot of the elements of the other films that we that we've talked about in terms of christmas movies that's about family it's about it's that melancholic aspect as well about you know sort of having to leave or thinking about leaving a uh, home and stuff like that so I don't know. It, I, I'm torn on that one, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I personally, I associate it with Christmas, I think, because that's the most memorable aspects or, or sequences from the movie are the Christmas scenes. Um, but yeah, I could see people not considering it that way. I don't mm -hmm. know. So the other one is, is similar in my mind, Holiday Inn, which I don't know if you have seen Holiday Inn. Yes, I have. Okay, so Holiday Inn, which is the uh, Bing Crosby, Fred Astaire movie uh, from the 1940s, and it's kind of the precursor to White Christmas. Is yeah. it a Christmas movie though? Because it actually does take place over a full year of holidays. It's not specifically about Christmas. Right, and it, I mean, yes, it's the movie where the song White Christmas came from, which spawned the movie White Christmas, but yeah, Holiday Inn, I just feel like it's just a holiday movie, not a Christmas movie. Yes, I agree. Holiday Inn is not a Christmas movie. <laughs> the The next one is a Halloween movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Yes, because it's before Christmas. It's Halloween. It's not Christmas. <laughs> if I only watch it on Halloween, then it's definitely not a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch it other times too, but yeah, no, it's a Halloween movie. Um, I would call Home Alone a Christmas movie. I do, I do advocate for that. Although as numerous people have pointed out, it is a shockingly violent, um, <laughs> murderous Christmas movie in some ways, because it is all about a little kid beating the shit out of a couple of robbers. Who really deserve it, let's face who it. Who deserve it, who absolutely <laughs> deserve it, but still. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's funny because like the movie that he's watching throughout the movie the movie within the movie is not a christmas movie it's a gangster flick <laughs> that was made up for the movie which i loved when was it seth rogan last year who suddenly discovered <laughs> yeah. the angels with dirty faces or whatever angels what is it in the movie it's it's based on another an actual yeah, movie it's, but it's based on angels with dirty faces which is so a yeah real angels with film. filthy souls is yeah the, yeah because then the sequel in home alone 2 is angels with even filthier souls <laughs> <laughs> it's like how did you think that was anyway yeah but <laughs> it was really funny when people were discovering all along with seth rogan last year that angels with filthy souls was not real <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious. This is a Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> yeah. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would definitely say that Home Alone is a Christmas movie because of the fact that um, first, uh, okay, yes, the family could have been going to Paris for any reason at any time of the year, but uh, it really is even more than just like the family going on vacation it's specifically bringing the family back together for christmas mm -hmm. and there's that really really moving sweet scene with Catherine o'hara where she's begging someone to help her get back to her son which it's kind of funny because like her focus is being with him on christmas and not the fact that her eight-year-old is home alone <laughs> but but when she's like this is christmas it's the season of perpetual hope and and yeah and that's really a big theme throughout the movie is is depending on the kindness of people because it is christmas and because mm -hmm. that is the time of year when we're always a little bit nicer to each other or at least usually we are we're supposed to be yeah yeah definitely no i i agree with you uh and then the final one is is a, a movie that i i don't know i think that it <laughs> it probably is a christmas movie but that does not mean that i like it it's a wonderful life karen is it a christmas movie to you it's a wonderful life is the christmas movie to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah my mom and i watch it's a wonderful life every year on christmas eve which i know that doesn't necessarily mean any thing as far as if it's a christmas movie or not because lots of people watch die hard on christmas eve but um it's another one that is really all about family and the spirit of the holidays and bringing people together and part of the reason that you have that big beautiful moment at the end with george bailey and everyone from the community that he's helped um 
in their lives, yeah, they want to help him because he's helped them. But part of why there's that magic and that spirit in the air is because of the holiday and because it really does bring people together. So yes, It's a Wonderful Life is a Christmas movie. Yeah, I I would say that it's a Christmas movie. I really don't like it and I've never liked it. It has always made me really uncomfortable and it wasn't until years later that I understood why it made me really uncomfortable, but I it, I think that it is a Christmas movie. It has definitely has its place. Uh it's just terrible. <laughs> well, it's not terrible and you're wrong and I'm sorry for you, but it's uh, fine. I'm, you I'm don't have so- to watch everything. I, I'm 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 sorry that you like that your favorite Christmas movie is just such a terrible terrible movie. Uh, <laughs> it's not though. So my favorite okay. Christmas movie, by the way, is White Christmas. So I do love that one too. It makes me cry at the end. <laughs> oh my gosh! Every time, every time. It does not matter how many times I've seen that movie. What all? It makes me cry. But there's no question them- about White Christmas. That's why it's not on the list. Oh yeah, no, it, it, it's literally in the title. Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> white Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. It's about a white Christmas. Um, so yes, yeah, so those are the films that are not Christmas movies, and some of the films that are Christmas movies. And of course, you can let us know uh, which ones we are wrong about, but we're not because we're always right. Uh, and you can also let us know which are your favorite not really Christmas Christmas movies. I mean, really, if they're going to try to tell us which ones we're wrong about, they're basically just telling us which ones they're wrong about. So it's yeah, fine. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I think that that is going to close out this, this enjoyable little episode this week. And as always, we want to thank our patrons who continue to contribute and to keep the lights on. Thank you so much to Matt, Heather, Adriana, Michael, James, Katie, Cariata, Mason, Matthew, Michelle, Monty, Nanina, Nicole, Robert, Sharon, Steve, Tao, and Will. Uh, and of course, if you want to contribute to our Patreon, we would really love that. But of course, obviously no one is obliged to. We're just very, very grateful that people are willing to do that right now. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash citizen dame. And we are going to be rearranging some of the tiers and stuff like that. So keep an eye out for that. Um, we're, we're working on it. Uh, if you want to buy some of our merchandise and maybe you need some Christmas presents, uh, we do have a Zazzle store. It's zazzle.com slash citizen dame pod. And you could toss us a few dollars if you feel like it at co-fi.com slash citizen dame. Of course, you can get in touch with us a multitude of ways, including on Twitter and Instagram at citizen dame pod. You can email us citizen dame pod at gmail.com and tell us what Christmas movies you are wrong about. Uh, we of course have our website that's citizendaypod.com where we've got reviews going up. I'm going to have another couple of reviews going up of some Todd Browning films, which I'm really excited about because they're great films. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And of course you can reach out to us individually. I am on Twitter and Instagram at LH business. Karen, where are you? I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson. And I am always right. And then when Karen agrees with me, she's then right. But Sometimes except for the wrong. times when you're wrong, but I'm except, right. So except I'm never wrong, so that means that you must be wrong. Uh, <laughs> it must be exhausting to be wrong sometimes and not know it. 
it must be exhausting to be right like it is right all it, <laughs> done. what was that yeah, i am right i'm always right except for the times that you're not it's fine christ <laughs> i haven't had dinner um it is later for me than it is for you anyways we will talk to everybody next week thank you so much for listening bye and i'm right <laughs> no but you're not i wanted this to be professional efficient adult cooperative not a lot to ask alas your mr takagi did not see it that way so he won't be joining us for the rest of his life we can go anywhere you want you can walk out of here or be carried out but have no illusions we are in charge so decide now each of you and please remember we have left nothing to chance Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho.